1: It's not just a series of boo boos. There is a reality to sin. And if you ever needed proof of that reality, the cross of Christ stands over there against all time to remind us of it. Let's take a look at the reality of sin next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. (music) The Ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Hi there. Welcome to our program. Today we continue with our series, The Reality of Sin, and we're focusing in on some of the realities and also the consequences. You see, if we're to understand the need for salvation, we need to understand why it's so needful, hence the reality of sin. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast. Of abounding grace.
0: The motive of Adam and Eve. They wanted, says the Hebrew, to determine good and evil for themselves without any reference to God at all. They did not want to have to abide by God's standards or what are his absolutes found in his word. They wanted to use their own faculties, their own experience, their own wisdom, their own knowledge and logic to determine good and evil for themselves. And they didn't want God pressing or imposing on them His standards. And that is what sin is. That is what the first sin was, and that is what every sin has been ever since. It is the desire to understand yourself and to live your life determining good and evil for yourself without any reference to God at all. Or, we could say that the first sin was the irrational and inexcusable and absurd distrust of the integrity and the wisdom of God. Satan was trying to make a fool out of God. He was saying to Adam and Eve, you can't trust God's integrity. You certainly can't trust His wisdom. And whenever we see sin, maybe even to solve our own problems, maybe maybe we have a problem as a businessman. Let's say our finances are in a shambles. And we're in need of several thousands of dollars. What do we do? Maybe we embezzle it from someone. Or maybe we borrow it with no intention of ever paying it back, sinning to solve our problem. Why? Because, they say, you can't trust God's wisdom. I mean, I don't know if God is going to provide for me or not, so I need to provide for myself by whatever means I need. So whenever we sin, it shows we just trust God's integrity, God's faithfulness, and His ability to provide for us and His goodness toward us. Well, if I don't sin on this issue, if I don't work on Sunday, I'll lose my job. I can't trust God to take care of me in this modern world that has no love for the Lord's day, so I better work on Sunday. That is what sin is. It is a distrust of the faithfulness and goodness and integrity and wisdom of Almighty God. And then there's another way we can define that first sin and every other sin that has followed. And that is, sin is a belief in the lies of Satan. Whenever you or I sin, we're believing the very lies that Satan told Adam and Eve. I want you to listen very carefully because this is the truth. When any of us sin, children, whenever you sin, parents, whenever you sin, all of us are always at that point believing the lies that Satan told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to get them to sin. So what were those lies? Well, there were several. And here is the first and the most obvious of the lies that Satan told Adam and Eve to get them to sin. God does not absolutely govern and predestine man and this universe. And therefore, he can't infallibly predict the consequences. Now, whenever you sin, you are saying that is what you believe or else you don't care whether it's true or not. Remember how smart Satan was? He went to Eve and he asked, Now Eve, what was it exactly that God said to you about that tree? Did God forbid you to eat from that tree? And Eve said, Yes, God forbade me to touch it. He forbade me to eat from it. And he said, If I do eat of it, I shall surely die. Then came Satan's great lie. He said, You shall not surely die. Oh, you might. But then again, you might not. I mean, after all, Eve, God's not in control of things. After all, Eve, God has not foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. Now, if you sin against God and you go your own way, you you may die. But then again, you may not die. You, You just can't be sure. You may Be the one who's able to escape the consequences. Eve, so go ahead and risk it. After all, it's going to open your eyes. God says everyone who eats of the tree may die. But you may not. Maybe it will be different for you, Eve. Go ahead and risk it. Now, beloved, don't you dare tell me that you have never thought that before. You may not have been conscious of the fact that you thought it. But when you sinned, what were you doing? You were risking the fact that God may not get me for this sin. Oh, yes. God says our sin will always found us out. And whatever we sow, that we shall also reap. And God punishes the ungodly and the wages of sin is death. And that may all be true. But I may just be the exception. I may not, but I'm willing to risk it. Do you see what fools we are? Everyone else who has sinned and lived their lives in unbelief has gone to hell. But it may be different with me. Every Christian who has wandered away from God, God has chastened. But maybe it won't be that way with me. It might, but maybe it won't, and I'm willing to risk it. I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. In this area, I'm going to disobey what He wants me to do. I'm going to follow the desires of my own heart. I'm not going to be the man or the woman or the young person that God wants me to be. I'm going to give in to this temptation. I I know the Bible says that when you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. I I know all of these terrible things, but it may not be true for me. Do not be deceived, beloved. Whatsoever a man sows that he may reap. No, it says that he shall also reap. So that's the first lie. See how irrational and absurd and stupid sin is. Sin is to believe the lies of Satan. The first lie being you just may get out of the consequences of your sin. After all, God is in control of everything. I know there are usually consequences, but my case just might be different. Then there's a second lie that Satan implied to Adam and Eve, and it was this. God's ultimate purpose in the world is to prevent man from self-realization. God's purpose is to frustrate man and prevent man from reaching his goal of self-realization. Because you see, obedience to God enslaves a person and it cramps his lifestyle. But obedience to self alone, that is what is true freedom. Satan says God's laws and his prohibitions are impediments and infringements on man's liberty. And the abandonment of God's law is man's ultimate liberation movement. Now, what does that all mean? (laughs) That means that in order for Adam and Eve to sin, they had to buy a bill of goods that Satan was selling them that said, God's purpose is to frustrate man and prevent man from reaching self-realization. Now, what was that lie that Satan told them? He said, Eve, what did God say to you about the tree? He said, do you know why God told you you shall surely die when you eat that forbidden fruit? He told you that because he knew. He knew good and well that if you ate from that tree, you would reach maximum self-realization and you would be just like him. And God didn't want you to be just like him. Because Eve, God's main goal, is to frustrate you. He wants you to keep from reaching the goals you want to reach in your life. He wants to put limitations on you. And then you and I say, oh, that's stupid Eve for believing something like that. Let me tell you something, beloved. Don't you tell me you've never thought something like that in your own life. Or you may not have been conscious about it. But if you have any honesty and any introspection at all, you know... That when you have sinned against God, you have done that very same thing in frustration and anger because things haven't gone your way. You've gone right on and you've sinned. Why? Because you think God is trying to keep you from being happy. He's trying to frustrate you. He just wants me to be miserable. He just wants me to... to to not reach self-realization so i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to sin and be happy at least once in my life god may not want me to be he may ultimately want me to be frustrated but i'm going to do it right here and now don't you dare tell me that has not ever been a thought of your heart and that is a lie of satan God's goal is not to frustrate you. God's goal is not to make you miserable. God's goal and purpose is not to hinder you from reaching maximum self-realization. God's goal is always for your best. God's goal is to make you as holy and as happy as it is possible for a human being to be and to be that way forever, And whenever you and I sin because we get frustrated with God, thinking we know what is best, thinking he is trying to frustrate us, it is because we believed and bought into the same damnable lie that Eve bought that God says, God wants me to be miserable. So I'm going to sin and I'm going to get just a little gusto out of the life because I don't deserve what's been happening to me. That is a lie. And there's another lie that Satan told Adam and Eve. He said, Adam and Eve, fallen man can live beyond God's standards of good and evil and the consequences thereof. Man can live happily beyond God's standards of good and evil. Adam and Eve, God said certain things to you and He gave you certain standards by which you are to live. But listen, you authenticate yourself. You take the responsibility and the risks of being truly human and being in charge of your own life. Take charge of your life. You break free from God's restrictions on your life. Pay no attention to his law and you will soon learn That you can determine good and evil for yourself and get along perfectly well in your life without having to pay any lip service to the Bible. You can live beyond the standards and consequences of God's word of good and evil. It's not true that you always have to suffer the consequences. It's not true that you will not live and succeed Unless you bow to those standards. You can live beyond them. You need to take charge of your own life. Don't you let anyone tell you what to do. Including God. Don't allow him to infringe on your life. You take charge. And you will soon find. That you are capable of determining good and evil for yourself. And you will enjoy freedom and success. Because the moment Determines everything. Adam and Eve, everything is relative. It all depends on the moment and the circumstances. That's the most important thing. Is whatever makes the moment meaningful to you. That is the only thing that matters. Forget about tomorrow and forget about the past. After all, tomorrow may never even come. The only thing that is important is getting the most out of this moment. Good and evil are irrelevant to whatever makes the moment meaningful to you. You can live beyond God's absolute standards. And so we throw away the future and we disregard the past just for the pleasure of one fleeting moment. Don't tell me you've never thought like this. Because the nature of that first sin is the nature of every sin ever committed. And whenever you and I sin against God, we are buying the lie that Satan gave Adam and Eve. That the only thing that is important is here and now. And we can enjoy the moment without any regard of God's standards and of the consequences of breaking those standards. It's a lie we tell ourselves. In other words, whatever works for you is the important thing, according to this line of thinking. If obeying the Bible works for you, then go ahead, obey the Bible. If going to church works for you, then by all, by all means, go to church. If tithing, keeping Sunday holy, being pure and righteous works for you, then by all means, do it. But what imp- what is important is... Whatever works for you, whatever makes you happy, whatever brings meaning and fulfillment into your life, whether it's a rebellion against God or whether it is obedience to God, ultimately, you see, it doesn't really matter. Whatever works for you is the most important thing of all. You can live happily beyond God's standards of good and evil without ever facing the consequences. You know, whenever we believe those lies, we deliberately let ourselves believe them. And you know they're all false. So we have to make ourselves to obey those thoughts. When we sin against God, we have to play games with our conscience, we have to play games with our minds and with our whole inner being. And in some way or another, at that moment, convince ourselves, it's okay. We either decide it's okay, or we think, it's not going to hurt for long. Or, you know, God forgives everything anyway. No, beloved. We have to make ourselves believe the truth. And firmly commit ourselves to live by that truth. Because in our hearts of hearts... We know that if we disregard God's standards of right and wrong, we will suffer intensely at God's hands as we should. We know in our heart of hearts that God controls the life of man and the soul that sins shall surely die. In our heart of hearts we know we are not gods, but we would rather worship ourselves than bow before the God of creation. And the life of a person who is not a Christian is built upon this principle of revolt against God that shows itself in everything that man is and everything that man does. The word that describes the life of everyone who is not a true Christian on the face of this earth is the word deliberate. He is in deliberate rebellion against God. And I'm sorry if you've never heard this before. And you may be mad at this preacher for telling you these things and being so dogmatic and intolerant for saying such things about you. But my friend, in your heart, you do know it is true. That in your life, if you are not a true Christian, you are in rebellion against God and you will go to hell for that rebellion. Unless, of course, God intercedes by his grace and by his mercy. And those of you here today who are Christians, there is only one reason why you're not still in total rebellion against God. Oh, you have pockets of resistance. There are pockets of rebellion still left in your life. In the Christian's life, yes, the war is over. The rebellion has been squashed. The terms of unconditional surrender have been imposed upon the sinner, and that sinner, by the grace of God has submitted to those terms of surrender. And God has established his peace and his reign in his life. And though there are still pockets of resistance within us, indwelling sins, old habits, old desires, that we still have to struggle and wrestle with in this life, the rebellion has been put down. And God has established His kingdom within our hearts, and someday, by His grace, all of those pockets of resistance within us will perish. So, with all of that, we've got two kinds of people in this room today only two. We've got rebels. We've got people in rebellion against God, in unbelief, who are deliberately acting as if they are the gods of their own lives. They're casting aspersions on the character of God. And foolishly enough, they believe in the lies of Satan. And then we have people in this room who were rebels. But now, because of God's mercy and God's grace, they are children of God. And their lives are at peace. And it's not because they were smarter than those of you who are not Christians. Because trust me, including myself, there may just be you are probably as smart, if not smarter, than all of us here who are saved. It is because of a sovereign God that God has reached down and stopped the hostility in our hearts and established his peace in there and made us his friends. He's forgiven us our sins and our rebellion. He's uprooted that principle of, revol- of revolt and he has reconciled us to himself by his own blood. What a great God we have. A great God who would do that for us. Those Who have used our lives to rebel against him before he entered our hearts. And those of us who are Christians, whenever we think about sin, every one of us, I hope we feel guilty. Now understand, beloved, it's not enjoyable to preach this stuff. All week as I studied about this. Knowing that I had to preach on it today. It rattled me to my very soul. Because I know I'm talking to myself. I know that sin is in my life. And I know it is deliberate. And I know that I have bought into Satan's lies. And it does trouble me to my very soul. But I know this is you too. And I don't talk about it. I don't like to talk about it, but it is real. This is true. And we must confront it. And if this has not made us feel guilty and rotten and wretched before God, then we are still dead in our trespasses and sins. If this didn't make you feel grateful to God for His salvific work, and yet wretched... That you are such a sinner. You may still be lost. And you still may be as hard as stone. Because beloved, when Christians hear about sin, it breaks them. And they immediately cry out to God, thank you Lord for your mercy. Where would this sinner be without the mercy of God?
1: And this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose. As we conclude our time today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know the program encourages you as you take the time to join us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear from you. It means a great deal to us. It always does. 408-866-5607 is our phone number. Again, 408 866 5607. If you wish to visit us online, you'll be able to gather more information about us, who we are, what we believe, and where we meet. It's all found at reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. You can also drop us an email there as well. We even have past messages available online that you can tap into freely at your convenience. Again, reformedheritage.org, or call 408-866-5607. Now, normally, we would invite you to join us for worship, but because of the shelter-in-place orders, we are suspending our in-person worship services here at Abounding Grace and Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose. If you'd like to know more, again, call us at 408-866-5607. Or visit our website, reformedheritage.org. And then we also invite you to write to us. If that is something you don't mind doing, picking up a pen and paper, we'd love to hear from you. You can write Abounding Grace, PMB 402, 1484 Pollard Road, and that's here in Los Gatos. The zip code is 95032. Thank you for spending time with us today. We look forward to hearing from you and looking forward to spending time with you in God's Word again here soon on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner.